If you like this podcast, please support it by visiting patreon.com slash witchpolice. You're listening to Garbage Hill, Winnipeg's first podcast network, garbagehillnetwork.com. I'm Jesse, and this is Witch Police Radio, the best. Welcome to Witch Police Radio. I am your regular host, Sam, and uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, or at least have been following kind of Witch Police stuff for the past however many years, uh, you're probably familiar with our next guest. He hasn't been on the show since 2013, but you've kind of always been floating around in the background of projects that have eventually <laughs> led to this podcast. So um, I guess like just to, before I introduce you, just to give some context, in 94, 95, I was a terrible guitar player, which I still am today, and I started a band with uh, Rob Crooks, who was one of the original hosts of this podcast, and he's also well known as a rapper, singer, songwriter, producer, etc. In Winnipeg, and one of the other members of that band is sitting here today with me, and you probably know him best as uh, one third of the Crooked Brothers. So we are here with Jesse Matus once again on the show. That's me. Yeah, I'm happy to happy to talk to you. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's very yeah. cool. One of the things I like about this show, uh, doing it every week, um, we're over 200 episodes now, so I've talked to a lot of people, and it's cool when I get to meet new people and hear about what they're doing, and I just kind of make new friends through the show and things like that. But it's also cool to reconnect with people I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. So you have been busy, obviously, with the Crooked Brothers. You've been touring, you've been recording, you've been doing all kinds of things. But now you have some time off, and so here you are again. Here I am, yeah. Back on the show. So I guess the last time you were on the show, I kind of looked back through the archives, would have been 2013. So <laughs> it's like four calendar years Yeah, holy. Uh, from now, which it doesn't seem like that long, but it's, it's a while ago. So at the time you were still in the Crooked Brothers, that was still what your, your main project was, but things have obviously progressed one would hope <laughs> from I would hope from, so from yeah. then to now I mean it seems like you are based on just sort of following what you guys are doing on uh, social media and just you know seeing your name pop up all over the place so I guess what is kind of the current state of the Crooked Brothers and then maybe we can just go from there hmm the current state of the Crooked Brothers <laughs> is uh, the current state is sabbatical actually okay um, which is why you're, you're not touring which is why I'm not touring yeah. we decided to take a year off um, it was just kind of at the, like, we haven't released an album in a couple of years and it's a good time to not tour. We've been touring really hard. We just got back from six weeks in Europe a few yeah, weeks yeah. ago and then played a show at the Goodwill and that was kind of our, our last show. Like bye for, for now sort of show? And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, in theory, we'll pick it up again in 2018 and maybe make a new record or tour somewhere again. Okay. Is that something that you guys have done over the time the band's been a thing? Like, have you taken large chunks of time off? or is Not it? like this. No. This is a first for, for a full year. Okay. We've had, you know, chunks of, like, four months off, I think. But, yeah, this is a first. So why, why did you, what was the reason for taking a year? Uh, I guess it just seemed like everything, or something everybody wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. Just, uh, like, too much, too much of everything? <laughs> too much yeah. touring. And uh, I don't really see it as, like, time off the band with time off the road. Right, okay. okay. So, like, it is possible we'll get together and play music right. in Winnipeg or right. wherever we happen to be. And also, like, 
I think Matt mentioned wanting to travel and if you even have one show booked in Winnipeg in July, for example, then you're, you know, if you're you want to go right? travel or teach English in Japan or do something like that, right. you're stuck. So. Well, and I guess, the, like, the, uh, how long have you guys been a band now? It's probably well, close to a decade. Yeah, um, 10 years. So that's a pretty hefty chunk of time to be committed to the one thing, right? I mean, yeah, especially exactly. yeah, life gets in the way, you want to do things like travel and whatever, and that, yeah, that kind of... Makes it hard, I guess, if you have to go to Europe or whatever. <laughs> it's hard to travel when you have to travel. All right, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're traveling for, for, the, for the thing, for the, the unit, right? Versus traveling for your, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be nice to stay in a place for more than one night. Right, yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. That, would, that would be cool. <laughs> you guys would get the experience more than just the bar or whatever you're, you're playing in, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you think that the band, I mean, like you said, 10 years, do you think it's well established enough that at this point, when you come back, 2018, it's going to be just like you kind of left off in terms of being able to play together and, and songwriting things like that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I have no idea what it's going to be like when we come back at it. But in theory, I hope that that kind of thing doesn't really go away. Like if we right. put out another album, that you know the people who are helping us here and in Europe or wherever will right. still They'll like still the album yeah, yeah, and yeah, still yeah. want to help us out. Do you think there's enough of a fan base now too that I mean where, wherever it is you end up playing mm -hmm. that. People go, oh yeah, the Cricket Brothers, yeah, I remember them. <laughs> or I don't know. It? I don't know if it really exists outside of Winnipeg <laughs> yeah. still. But well, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, you definitely have like you have, you have a crowd here. I mean, people. Yeah, it's people friends and, and, see you and yeah. But beyond that too, I think there's. I think Winnipeg has a very tight knit kind of roots, folk, country, all of those genres together scene. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are fans of any one of twenty artists that all sort of play to yeah. the show. So there's, there's a, I mean, it seems like there's a really good community anyway. People are yeah very supportive yeah. of I, anything here. And you guys all sort of have played with other people in that yeah, scene exactly. on each other's records and whatever, yeah, so that's cool. Well, hopefully, you know, you come back and everything's just <laughs> or better, but yeah. 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 So um, this is kind of a hard one to do. Not, I mean, it's awesome to talk to you, but it's not like you have an album to promote that like, we can talk about here, right? So right. I was thinking... There's no reason for me to be here. No, there's no reason, <laughs> <laughs> there's no reason for me to talk to you right now, but uh, I'm glad I am. And um, so on some of these episodes, you know, since we kind of switched over to, to more of a focus on a single artist on the podcast, we've kind of done sort of biographical sketches almost of who the person is, what they've done, mm. the various bands are in. So I think that might be a cool way to start because I've kind of <clears throat> seen a lot of the bands you've been in yeah. over the time you've been playing music. And... It's very exciting to see how well the Cricket Brothers have done, because and other bands like that too that have people I know. Because uh, I've seen so many people, including myself, start bands and they don't go anywhere. And no matter <laughs> how good it is or fun it is, it's just no. But it's cool to see friends and people I, I, I've played music with in the past too, like actually doing it as a thing and getting out there and releasing records and touring Europe yeah. and things like that. So, I mean, I don't want to do like a step by step. Oh, you were in this band, this band, this band. Okay, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> at what point? Do you think this became sort of I can do this all the time? Like uh, as hmm. at what point did you decide? Okay, I'm I'm a musician. This is because I know you know from having played music with you when we were twelve. Yeah, and like at various spots along the way, you're always very good at it, and you're always writing songs, recording songs of various genres and styles. But sort of a lot of people. I mean, what do you have an idea of when that kind of coalesced into I'm going to be a musician? Hmm. Because is you're one of the few from that group of us when we were kids who actually is able to do it yeah. at the rate you do it, you know? Well, I think it was like born out of necessity, really. Uh, it would have happened 
probably three or four years into the Crooked Brothers. Okay. I think. So that was already the Crooked Brothers were already. Yeah, Crooked right? Brothers were already saying like we started out, you know, playing in farmers markets and the Kootenays or cool. just playing around Winnipeg and stuff like that, and you know, working our jobs that we we're working and everything, and uh, at some point. We started touring and, well, the, the beginning of the band, like, a lot of people say no when you ask them for shows. Yeah. Like, festivals or venues, like, you know, the the coveted venues across the country that you're trying to get into, well, they'll say no band, most yeah. of the yeah. time when you're new and bad. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, at some point, venues started saying yes and started having us back and it started becoming easier but because it was easier and people were asking us to play more, we had to make the decision to either, you know, charge a little bit more per show yeah. because we couldn't be working at home. Uh, more time on the road just meant uh, like a... Right, you can't keep was, a job here because you, yeah, you took exactly. time off. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of born of necessity. It's like, well, I guess we have to rethink what the band is and kind of draw up some sort of business model so that we right. can survive as human beings when right. we're when we're home and I guess that's kind of a weird thing that is especially now because of the internet because of the way people promote themselves and just the way music is shared this comes up a lot on the show actually a lot of people they kind of struggle with that part the business side of things because they're not they're they're the creative part right they're yeah music, they're singing the songs writing the songs but then there's this whole other weird side where you have to sell yourself and you have to you know deal with money and, and bookers mm -hmm. and promoters and stuff so that's yeah it's a I think it's I think everyone who tries to do that kind of struggles with that because it's like yeah nobody <laughs> really likes promoting no. themselves or nobody you know good at music probably likes promoting no, themselves no because the music part right? yeah. yeah yeah exactly but uh, at some point it it is just necessary to I think like to value what you're doing to the point where you're allow or you're allowing yourself to do it okay so if we don't get a certain amount for a show financially, then we can't afford to drive to this place and do it and also pay our rent back home right. and, and eat. Right. And right. these are like the basic things we need. And if you have 60 to 100 shows a year, that's like a third of the year on the road. And, and you, yeah, you have to focus on eating yeah. and, and who's going to hire you for like you know a month here and there and right. stuff. And we all do that. We all work jobs still. We hire you right? on the off, off time. Yeah. Yeah. I threw my arms up to the side.
deeper and the lighter I can do you wrong. Way that I weird projects in people's basements and, and stuff like that yeah some of which were good but maybe probably shouldn't <laughs> have been heard by anybody and uh but, but then at some point you started playing a lot of shows just solo yeah at coffee houses and things like that and then it seemed like you had that band that made his touch which was a hilarious yeah. name still <laughs> that, i mean you started playing like you know fairly large i, I still like dread the day that you know nardwar discovers pulls that. out a copy yeah. of the touch. Yeah, yeah. it'll happen it'll happen <laughs> I almost want, I don't know him, but I almost want to like tweet at him, <laughs> just in case, here's, here's, a, here's a photo or something. Yeah. Um, but, they, I mean, at that point you started playing bigger, we were still probably teenagers, or early 20s, I don't know. Yeah, I think I was 20. And you were playing band. pretty big yeah. shows, like you had the Franco Management Cultural Center, I remember at one point, and yeah. things like that. Like, at that point, was there any kind of like, oh, hey, I could do this, or was it still just, this is a fun thing I do with my friends? Uh, hmm. There was a moment, I think at, I did the Young Performers at Winnipeg Folk Fest. I remember, I was at that show, yeah. And, uh... Something kind of like, I think talking to some of the artists who were the mentors, yeah, yeah, that kind of changed my perspective on, on if it was possible to be a musician as a career, right? And I was like, oh, well, these people are doing it, and you know, there there are venues for people to make it happen and they're they're old they're probably right. younger than i am now right but they seemed old at the time <laughs> they seemed yeah. old at the yeah. time and and uh so that was a kind of turning point i think cool at the winnipeg folk fest for sure what um kind of sparked the because like previous bands you've been the ones that never went anywhere when we were teenagers and stuff those were not folk bands they weren't playing roots music they weren't playing anything that kind of is similar to what you do now Mm -hmm. But you initially started out solo performing with acoustic guitar. Like, what kind of sparked that? Hmm. Was that just out of necessity because you didn't have a band and you wanted to play stuff? Or? I think so. <laughs> and that and eventually led to this. No. <laughs> when yeah, when you move out of your house, you don't have your or your parents' house. You don't have your parents' basement to play drums it's true. in anymore. It's true. Yeah, yeah. If you're living in an apartment or something like that, basically all you have is your acoustic guitar. All of a sudden, or acoustic instruments and yeah and. Uh, you got to find ways to play quieter than in punk rock bands. For sure, yeah, yeah. Were you were you listening to stuff like that though? Like, the, I mean, were you still listening to the punk rock stuff or whatever else we were all into? And then that kind of just was out of necessity, and your songwriting came from that. Or was there were there certain folk artists or, or you know blues artists, whatever, mm. anyone playing in that kind of softer style that 
Yeah, I'm sure I was. I can't really remember who I was listening to back then. There's like a Facebook feed everybody's doing right now that's uh they're I ten, can't answer it. I can't answer it. Ten bands from yeah, teenage from years. Teenage years? Yeah, yeah. I can't answer it I, either. I, I, I was, was like, trying to do it. I, I, I was having so much trouble with it because the teenage years, it's like 13 and 19 is your teenage years. And the amount of stuff I listen to, yeah. and like the vast difference in genres and stuff, I can't... I could do when I'm 12 and 13, easy. I could probably do when I'm 18, <laughs> 19, easy. But there's so much stuff in the middle, and what do I exclude? What I, and I think I'm overthinking yeah. it, but... Because yeah, <laughs> like for me, it was like grunge, punk, yeah. ska, reggae. In that kind of transition, now I'm still in the last one. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't really gone anywhere. <laughs> but I don't know how I can include. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, same thing for you, or I think yeah. There's the there's the, yeah for sure punk and punk ska reggae yeah. grunge first. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're in the same band back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I think Winnipeg Folk Fest probably turned me on to yeah. folk and like traditional, like East Coast or Irish or Scottish music and stuff like that. Okay. And I did play. Now that now I'm remembering, I played in some trad bands. Yeah. Back in the day, and uh, like what band did them actually succeed anywhere? Uh, I don't know remember. if there's still a band. Krina is the band. They're no out idea. of Winnipeg. Um, I think they all still play. I think that's kind of the nature of trad musicians, too, is they always play for yeah. the rest of their life. Well, they can, right? And, and they can just get together and play in, in a bar yeah. or wherever. I guess that's the convenience of the Crooker Brothers, too, right? You guys can grab a banjo and a mandolin and a guitar or whatever combination of those instruments and mm -hmm. just set up on a street corner or set up in a coffee shop or a, or a theater yeah. or a venue. Like, it doesn't matter, right? It's not like you can lug a bunch of drums around. Yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, you can, but, it's, yeah, it's a little different, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a huge convenience of acoustic music i was just in edinburgh and i stayed there a little bit after our tour and went to uh like a traditional session at a pub and oh, it cool. was there's probably eight or nine musicians like fiddle and harp and piano and uh and like mandolin and i was just sitting in kind of checking along on mandolin oh cool and there's probably five or six people in the bar who weren't playing music and it was out just of the like, bar? out of the entire That's bar awesome. and they were like enjoying the music and clapping every once in a while but mostly it was just a, a jam session yeah and i think that's pretty normal over there for people to just get together and yeah and uh well i don't know if that's music for the hell of it <laughs> that's maybe more i'm probably more common in that, that that size over there but i mean here too people will you go to a host party yeah and someone has a guitar Three other people suddenly appear with harmonicas and yeah. whatever, you know? And like, hey, guys, and they're singers, right? So, yeah, it's a weird, Winnipeg's like... Winnipeg's got that, too. Winnipeg has that, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's a weird kind of thing, I guess. But it's nice, I guess, you can play wherever you want. Yeah. Versus having to do a horn section. Right. <laughs> you get one maybe in future, I don't have to change, change the style a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah don't but, have but, to lug the drums around too right, often. Right, That we do actually do that these days. But yeah, you, you do have a larger version of the band, right? Yeah. Just three of you? Cool. Yeah, we bring a drummer and a bassist sometimes. Streets of Vancouver are flooded With the blood of the sleepwalking dead Dream we walked on this river together His greasy hands pulled us in above our head Insides are burning. 
fiery pine needle cooks her bones Told me if I burn bright like she does Come winter, I won't make it home So you follow me out Through gray rain and darker doubt Follow me back Souls are red, feet are black Said you'd follow me to the end of the earth The end of me is bound to come first Calgary's gold is someone's curse See the good life get better As the living gets worse Came to you oil rich and angry from the Crooked Brothers. Are you going to be planning on playing music? I mean, are you going to try and get shows or play with other people or recording things? Or is it just yeah. kind of whatever comes? I'm playing at the Snowdance Festival at okay. Falcon Lake. Cool. Um, going to do a set there just by myself. Okay. And a couple workshops, I think. Cool, cool. And yeah, that's kind of the plan. I don't actually have very many hard plans this whole right. year, so. Well, I guess that's kind of the point, right? It's just that you got the year to do whatever you want. Yeah. Maybe? Cool. When you play a solo set now, after all the time with the Crooked Brothers, do you play a lot of the songs that you have written with the Crooked Brothers, or is it entirely sort of these mm, are mostly songs? new? Yeah, yeah, mostly new tunes. Trying to let them have legs. Okay, and then do those some of those 
come back to the band later on? I mean, because one thing I've noticed about the band, I think I mentioned this when we had Matt on the show also like a million years ago, but I find that, I mean, obviously the vocals are different, so you can tell whose song it is, mm-hmm. but I feel like stylistically listening to your records, you can kind of tell pretty early on in the song before the singing even starts off and whose song it is. Like, this, this is, I think part of the, one of the better, best things about the band is that there's three distinct writing styles mm-hmm. that are all kind of complemented by the other members too. Yeah. So, how does one of your songs go from one of your songs to a Crooked Brothers song? Hmm. It's a good question. I don't really know the answer to that okay. question, I guess. It's <laughs> okay, maybe a better rewind. <laughs> a better question is how do you guys decide whose songs? Because I mean, it seems like it's fairly even over most of the albums. It's fairly distributed, you know. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that the songs each one of you is singing is written by that person. Yeah, I mean we do sing like there are songs that Matt sings that I've written. Okay. And I think that Matt has written a song that Darwin sings. Okay long time ago there's one of those and we have written songs together where i've written music and okay. matt's li- written the words and sings it or something but like for the most part for the most so part it is yeah whoever's singing is usually the person who wrote the song so how do you pick which songs end up on the record or which songs end up as permanent additions to the set even um i guess it's whatever kind of works like we'll bring songs to a practice and like already written in a solo form kind of? Usually written, yeah. Sometimes we'll just bring a riff or two and then jam and that'll turn into a song. Okay. But, but usually, yeah, it's a full song that somebody brings and and if people find parts, if the other members find parts yeah. that work and, you know, it seems to work as a Crooked Brothers song, whatever that is. Whatever that, yeah, yeah. Doing yeah. the quotation things in the air. Yeah. Uh, then it stays in the band usually. Okay. Lots yeah, of songs that don't make it. Well, I'm sure, yeah. It's like with any band. But, I mean, because there's such distinct writing styles, like, do you ever try to write to the styles of the other members? I mean, if you have a song hmm. that you've written yourself, is it sort of like, okay, I can see how Matt would bring this to it or Darwin would bring this to it? Or is it just kind of, here's a song, you guys... It's usually just, spots. here's a song, but I think that you, sometimes, like, I will write a song and be like, oh, this one, I feel like this would work well okay. Okay. with the band and... And maybe even for this person to sing right. occasionally. I kind of like that. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Um, is it different when you're writing songs that you know are just going to be songs you play on your own? Like, do you have? If a song comes to you, it's sort of like, well, this is clearly not a Crooked Brothers song. And mm. if yes, what is different about them? Uh, I don't think the writing process is any different. Okay. I don't really ever write for anything. Do you think tonally there's anything different though? Um, I think after the song is written, usually I can tell okay. if it's going to be, like, if it has a chance at being a Crooked Brothers <laughs> yeah, song, okay. or, like, a lot of it is arrangement, too. It's like, right. oh, this song could have harmonica, and Darwin's a great harmonica yeah, player, sure, yeah, so, yeah. so that's, like... It's an obvious of, yeah. Bit, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, is there... Like, do you notice, as, as the writer and performer of the songs, in your own stuff, like, say, you know, say you're doing a show coming up, mm-hmm. you're writing new songs, is there something about them, uh, whether whether it's musically, tonally, even lyric-wise, that kind of sets them apart from the type of thing you would present to the group? Hmm. Or is it all kind of, kind of the same? I think with the stuff I'm writing now, it's, uh... The Crooked Brothers have been playing mostly upbeat shows with drums and bass for the last three or four years so to bring a very 
quiet, folky, lyrical song. It works for some shows, and we've done house concerts and stuff like that okay, where yeah, it works. Would, yeah. But even then, it's acoustic and and it doesn't have, you know, it's like, I feel like you can be quieter not in the Crooked Brothers usually. Well, just by the amount of people on stage. Yeah. Makes it quieter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So maybe there's more focus on lyrics or, or you know, subtleties in, in the music rather than energy and... Uh, okay. And arrangement, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah. Are you uh, have you considered recording your own stuff and putting on any kind of solo record at some point? Or yeah, I've considered it for sure. Because um, you used to record everything. Yeah. <laughs> back it was way back, but yeah. <laughs> That's true. I'm gonna regret that someday. You are. I have a lot of. It. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's good. It's, I, I, I we, we laugh about that, but some of those are very good songs, and it's kind of cool to see. This is like 20 years ago, kind of. Yeah. This is what your songwriting was like then, and compared to now, and it's. I mean, it's better than my songs are about. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you had, uh, you can kind of see where it comes from. Like this is the roots of what you're doing now. Yeah. And that's kind of been one of the most interesting things of knowing you and having been in bands with you way back and watching how you've done well. Because it's like I recognize not a distinct riff or anything or a distinct lyric, but it's like something. Something clicks. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I think that might be how I can recognize your songs in the Cricket Brothers albums. Before you even start mm. singing, it's like, oh, this is a Jesse song, yeah. and that's not that, that, there's nothing negative about that. It's positive. It's like you would probably have, you know, you'd be able to do that probably better than most people because in I'm the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too, but <laughs> just because we, you know, yeah. we're playing music together exactly, back in yeah, the day, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know where that that was going. <laughs> it's just an observation, I guess, but yeah. I don't know. But yeah, no, as far as like, I mean, is that something you see the band doing at some point too? Is just kind of each putting out individual... Yeah, we've talked about that for sure. I think it would be a a great thing for all of us in the band. Does everyone play solo too? Like, I mean, does everyone do shows here and there as individual... Yeah, Darwin is doing something solo. I don't know what it is. But right now he's backing up uh, Little Miss Higgins on tour. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, he's kind of the like every every instrument guy in the band well he's kind of that guy in he's here, kind right? of that guy in our band too yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, true right. so yeah he's out in alberta with her right now oh cool and uh i think matt is playing some shows i think he's playing at times uh in march or something oh, cool. like that okay. so you guys will be around to yeah open up here and there and do, do stuff yeah. Yeah. generally that's cool that's cool are you uh, are you gonna try and work with anyone else? Like, well, do, I mean, is there anyone locally that you kind of have wanted to work with hmm. that you haven't had a chance to just because of the hectic touring schedule and things like that? Because yeah. I imagine you know a lot of people in the scene just from you know from being doing it for as long as you have. Yeah, yeah. Actually, there are lots of people I'd love to just get together and play with and jam with. Yeah. And, um, well, you don't need to. I mean, I don't know <laughs> specifically. Yeah, yeah, it's like. No, it's cool. yeah, yeah, there are lots of people in Winnipeg that I'd cool. love to play with. Cool. Have you, uh, since you've been doing this uh, as the Crooked Brothers and kind of been, I, I guess, higher profile than you were before that band started, have you noticed the Winnipeg scene change at all? Like, I mean, have you, you've obviously seen a lot of people come and go, mm-hmm. uh, and some people succeed very well and things like that, too. Have, I mean, a lot of venues are closed down from when you started playing. A lot of new ones have popped up. Yeah. So obviously, a lot of younger people are now starting bands and things like that, some of are very good. Some maybe aren't, but I mean, have you noticed anything change over the time that you've been doing this, like for good or for mm. bad? It seems like it's still 
just going strong. Like Winnipeg seems to just breed musicians it does. for some reason. Uh, there's lots lots of people playing here. It's cold in the winter. Yeah. What else are you gonna do? Kind of thing. Not and, really much else. Yeah. yeah. And, start a podcast or start a band. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's like yeah, there's some great venues now. Like the Goodwill is awesome. Yeah, I love cool. that place. Super cool. And Times is still going strong, and uh, and there's like, yeah, the Handsome Daughter's doing good things yeah. these days, and and the park's still great for the awesome, theater, yeah. and West End is, yeah, like Winnipeg's got got it going on for yeah for a small city having good venues and yeah yeah so people have a place to play and one thing that Matt brought up. Uh, which kind of clicked with me is when we were teenagers, there was a great all ages scene. Fantastic. And I don't know if that exists in Winnipeg I've right now. I've actually talked about this on the show a number of times, especially with punk bands. Especially with punk bands. Yeah, especially with punk bands. Guys who, you know, there's, there's like quite a few bands of guys our age, you probably even remember some of them from back in the day who are still in punk bands or now in yeah. punk bands again. And yeah, that's come up a lot because it did seem like everywhere we went, there was an all ages show. Yeah, and the exactly. Albert Knowledge shows, the West End Knowledge shows, but even just like every like community Broadway center, Community Center. And yeah, and like, every week there was a show there and stuff, right? Yeah. But I don't know if they don't exist anymore or if I'm just, it's past me. You know what I mean? Like I'm not cool enough to know where they are. Yeah, well, what are the punk bands saying? Well, most of the punk, punk bands I talk to, honestly, are my own age. Yeah. <laughs> but are they playing any of these? They're, well, actually, one, one thing that's stuff? come up with a lot of punk bands and hardcore bands that have been on the show is that it, it's very... And this is actually a good question for you too. Um, they've all often said that the punk scene and the hardcore scene is very just tight knit. All the same bands play the same shows with each other mm-hmm. every week, and it's kind of frustrating because there's sort of this is the punk crowd, yeah. this is the metal crowd, this is the roots crowd, this is the country crowd. And I remember, and you probably do too, when we were teenagers, yeah. the show would be a ska band, a punk band, a folk singer, a rap group. Yeah, it was everybody. all over the place. And totally. I mean, have you noticed that? Anywhere? Like, I mean, is that still a thing anywhere, or is it sort of everyone segregated into their own little corners? Yeah, I think it is more just like, like I can't think of many shows that I've seen advertised that are all yeah. over the place. It's like here's a country musically, show, and then there's a bunch of country bands, yeah, which is great. But and I, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think this is because of the way the internet has affected people listening to music. Because now you don't just listen to whatever; you can very easily yeah. get stuck in your own pocket of stuff you already know you like. And, and there's listen to that an endless resource on yeah. the internet to I mean, find I do that, that stuff, yeah. I do that all the time. I mean, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I listen to a lot of reggae. I listen to yeah. a ton of other stuff, too. But I can, I will often find myself for like a month at a time being stuck in like one particular era of a few years <laughs> of this particular label in Jamaica. And that's all I've listened to for that month. And then I realize, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, this is amazing. <laughs> but also, I've been completely self-segregated yeah. in this little pocket of or box of, of but yeah you thing. actually think those thoughts that like right but a lot of people are just happy yeah. to do that and, exactly and I think it's kind of maybe I don't know if it's negatively affected the music scene but because I, I don't go to as many shows as I used to but it's something I always wonder about is if other people are seeing it as well because it yeah. does seem like punk country folk everything is in its own area and people are quite happy to keep it that way yeah no I definitely do feel like that and uh I love playing, like, we played a show with Mise en Scene last year, oh, cool. and they're, like, totally different than our band. Yeah, that's not, yeah, <laughs> Actually, yeah. and those are my favorite shows, is, like, you know, it makes us play harder when we're playing with a crazy rock band. For sure, yeah. And I don't know what it does to them, but it's, it's like, a fun exchange of weird musical well, styles. Well, audience-wise, too, right? People are going to come to see them, people are going to come to see you, and hopefully you can get some kind of weird cross-pollination. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. 
season descending fight the law and the law will win history gives us Say you're going to a country you've never been to before. Like who, who do you appeal to? How do you how how are you marketed outside yeah. Winnipeg? Like 
That's that's been really interesting to notice that. So this last tour we went to the UK. Mm -hmm. Two weeks in the UK, two weeks in Netherlands and Belgium, oh, cool. and two weeks in Germany and Switzerland. And each of those places had different agents who were booking different tours. Yeah. And, you know, promoting the shows differently to different people. So in the UK, it was mostly folkish places like theaters or right. small pubs. Well, I guess they have a pretty big tradition of that kind of stuff anyway there, right? So, yeah. yeah. And uh, that felt fairly similar to Canada in, in a lot of ways. And then uh, in the Netherlands, it was all soft seaters pretty much. Oh, really? Very silent. Um, the sound, The sound people were like very precise they would cut like you know cut the frequencies to almost everything so oh, it was really? very crisp and clear kind of like you're listening to a recording and people are very polite and silent and sit down is that and just I, a cultural thing though or is that because you're playing with the music you play i think it's partially a cultural thing but i think also it's where we were marketed in the right. netherlands like i'm sure there are people who you know would go and dance the things, but maybe they're going and dancing in electronic clubs or something like that. Right, and folk music maybe isn't known as a danceable thing or something. Maybe. Yeah, and then in Germany we were playing bars, like we were okay. playing rowdy bars and people were... Like throwing beers and... Yeah, like, exactly, yeah. drinking lots of beer and yeah. eating pretzels and... <laughs> Everything you expect Germans yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, apologies to any Germans listening to this, but... Pretzels are great. Pretzels are fantastic, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can often wonder that because, you know, Whenever bands come from other countries to here, and you've never heard of them, they're usually marketed a certain way. I mean, regardless of what kind of music it is. Yeah. I mean, they are kind of often stereotyped as something, and like I can imagine you guys, based on your appearance, you guys have beards, mm -hmm. you know, like you're carrying banjos around, you're wearing hoodies and sweaters and Canada-like clothing. Yeah. Like, is, are you kind of marketed as like these weird lumberjack, backwoodsy kind of... And the reason I asked that is because I remember reading about, you know, you know the band Tad? Mm, was that no. one, one of the early grunge bands from Seattle? And they, okay, they were from, they yeah, were from yeah. Seattle. They were from like whatever Hicktown Kirk Cobain was from, I think. And so they're outside Seattle. And they were marketed as lumberjacks. And they got big based on that image. Yeah. And they all take these photos of the dude holding a chainsaw. And none of them were remotely lumberjacks. But it was it sold because it's like people had this impression of that area where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the country was like, oh yeah, these are just hicks. Like, and they're wearing flannel and stuff. And that's kind of where that whole thing. So are you guys marketed as like Canadian backwoodsy sort of uh, I think we are in some places I remember seeing a write-up for our band and it was something about us building a log cabin right and but you guys actually did that. but we actually did it and that was part of the write-up is like other bands advertise that they are lumberjacks but these guys are actually lumberjacks, <laughs> lumberjacks yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> So that's kind of like we were marketed as that, but we actually did build a log cabin. So it's kind of so legit, yeah. yeah, it is kind of legit, I guess. Do you think that gives you kind of authenticity with that audience? Because they're, I mean, just, I mean, I have, you know, lots of relatives in the UK. Yeah. And I think they're, from what I understand, their impression of Canada is not really what Canada is. Like they see photos and things and I don't want to speak for them, but I think they think that we are kind of like really hickish. Yeah. <laughs> and I assume that a lot of people have an impression of Canada as just barren wasteland, snow, cold, lumberjacks, yeah. like moose floating around. I mean, here. that's true to some extent, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't know. I also often wonder if bands are marketed that way because, or if the audiences have an impression. I don't know if you can answer that, but, like, I feel like you guys would we'd be prime target for being marketed as, like, 
Yeah. Pixar us. <laughs> like, no, we totally are in some places. But uh, actually, like, going to Scotland was great because I feel like Scotland is also full of lumberjacks. Yeah, it seems like the spiritual, <laughs> the spiritual home of what you guys are doing. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. It's cool. like everybody's kind of hairy and wearing plaid. Right, and right. Playing banjos and stuff. Yeah. 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 That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, yeah, yeah. So how many tours have you done then now? Like, I mean, you've done Canada obviously a bunch of times, right? Yeah, I can't even. Countless times. And then how many European tours have you I think that's five now, five European tours. Cool. And that was our first time in Scotland. Okay. That was the most recent time? Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of cool. Cool, yeah. The UK, I love love the UK. Yeah, it's awesome, yeah. I haven't been in a long time, but... Yeah, the whole tour, I was like, why haven't we been doing this for all these years? (laughs) This is amazing. Yeah. Do you have you noticed like a, a good growth in, in fan audience size and stuff since you've kind of come back to some places or is it uh, still a hard sell? In a lot uh, I think so. I think in the Netherlands, yeah, because yeah. we've been to the Netherlands five times. Okay, so they kind of have an like, established idea of who you are and what, 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 your, what your sound is and stuff. I think some people know our band. That's good. <laughs> There's like occasionally somebody who's been to a show before. And then they tell that, then they like, come up to us and say hi right. or something like that. And in theory, there's more people who just don't talk to us right. after shows. And or at least that one person brings three other people maybe and say, "Hey, yeah. this band I saw last year, they're awesome, and they're coming back." Mm-hmm. I do that. I think everyone does that. Right? Yeah, you see some band, oh, totally. amazing. You check them out. Because in my case, I like get excited about it, and then I don't go to the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm too tired. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, that phenomenon is, is the thing. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> But um, one of the inter- most interesting shows I did last year um, on this podcast was I sat down with Art from Transistor 66. Oh, yeah. And nice. just did kind of a like overview of the whole label and the history of the label and all this stuff. Cool. And like, that was a really, really interesting. It was one of my favorite ones I've done in a while. Yeah, Just because he, you know, he's done a lot for the local music scene and a lot of different genres and styles and stuff. Yeah. And you guys have released everything so far through yeah, that but... label. So how, how did that come about? Like, How did you end up? Uh, Subcity. Okay. Subcity Dwellers, or Subcity. Matt were, and Darwin were both members of that group? Yeah, so they were on Transistor 66 and okay. when we started the Cricket Brothers. Uh, I guess we didn't have a label for the first couple of years, and then they're like, maybe Art wants to have us on the label. Right. And, and obviously. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure, like, I think Scott Nolan was also just getting on the label then. Yeah. And His last album was awesome. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah it was really, really good. Really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was really cool for him to like just go and record lots of it live off the floor yeah. in, in Texas. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really Great my favorite album of the year, out. actually. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is that, are you going to keep working with that label? Is that sort of the plan? Like, have they been, has it been a good partnership? Yeah. I'm spilling tea all over myself here <laughs> as I try to gesticulate with uh, <laughs> tea in my hand, but yeah, sorry. Testiculate. Yeah, testiculation. <laughs> sounds really horrible. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, the label, though, is it, uh, I mean, has it been a good partnership? Was it a good fit with you guys? I think so. Yeah, like for our our uh, distribution and all that stuff, art's great. And yeah. it's a very, like, I love what art does. And yeah, it's an awesome He's label. a great guy. And I don't know. It's great. Yeah. Because, uh, and the only reason I ask is because, uh, like, nowadays, again, you know, going by, oh, the internet changes things. But it, it does. I mean, so many people mm-hmm. know... Uh, and some people have been very successful doing this, just self-release everything, right? I mean, you, it's, yeah. it's possible now to just open a Bandcamp page, whatever, and just here's here's my music, give me money for it, yeah. and, and and succeed at that. So is that have you did you guys always want to have a label involved, kind of to handle the labely stuff, or yeah. <laughs> was there ever a thought of we'll just do this? Well, we do a lot of it. Right. Yeah. Like, of course. Yeah. Like we manage the band and stuff like that. Darren manages it these days, and and. Um, 
I guess like art does some things that he does very well right. and that we don't do very well and it's just kind of a good fit for those things so cool and you your most recent album which was what two years ago now or a year and a half ago or so over two years over ago, two years think, okay. Yeah. okay or two years maybe exactly Around two years. It's yeah. been a while, though, right? Since yeah. this came out. And you released that on what, CD, vinyl, and cassette as well? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm very happy to receive one of those cassettes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I actually listened to it two days ago. Um, again, not for the first time. I obviously listened to it when I got it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I put it on again. And, um, like, what do you think about the whole cassette thing? Because I like, I never stopped listening to tapes. Yeah. I still have a large tape collection because I always thought it was stupid to rebuy things I already had. But most people kind of scrapped mm-hmm. all their tapes, bought it all on CD. Scrapped all the CDs, bought all the MP3s or whatever. I mean, do you think that cassette is actually a thing? Well, I'm kind of like you. Like, I had a car that yeah. had a tape deck exactly. until three years, two years ago. And then as soon as that car died, I went and bought a tape deck for my stereo. Right. So I just moved all of the cars that were, or the tapes that were in my car just into the house. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, like, yeah. you can just go buy tapes for 25 cents at the yeah. thrift store yeah. and yeah still do that. <laughs> I don't know why more people don't do that do you it's think amazing. it's actually via, gonna be a viable format though again because I mean vinyl obviously has its benefits I mean it's all yeah. it's, it's huge now partially because it's a trendy thing mm-hmm. and partially because just like the people who always listen to it still listen to it yeah and it's got a sound it's it has like, a sound has an aesthetic with the yeah. physical stuff I mean that's yeah exactly but do you think tapes are gonna I don't yeah. think they'll catch on. It's like, just going to stay like a weird I think niche. it'll stay a weird niche, but like, I think that we have come close to making our money back on the tapes. Nice. Or maybe, no, I think we have made our money back on, awesome. on the tapes. It's awesome. I think it's it, so weird that it's a thing we get. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's great, but yeah. Yeah, yeah it was like, we did it because Was that just awesome. you guys wanted to do something fun with it? or something? Yeah. 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 It's cool to have your album on a tape it is, with like it a is. real printer. It's probably and stuff, cooler right? to have it on vinyl, but I imagine than on tape. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> More about yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, so I guess uh, for people who are listening to the show and maybe you haven't heard it before, um, if you want to hear more episodes of the show, you go to witchpolice.com, click on podcast. There's a billion episodes, including the previous ones you were on, uh, which are old and uh, <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if they're, uh, but they're good. They're good. People should check them out. And uh, there's a million other artists on there. Uh, Matt from your band has also been on. Darwin hasn't. Uh, oh, somebody, yeah. Somebody will have to get her on. I mean, totally. I think he'd have a lot to talk about just from the, all the ska bands he was in before. Yeah. You know, and we, my old band played with his old bands and things like that. So I'd like to have him on at some point. Uh, I should probably try to arrange that. But, um, <laughs> but you're on there. Uh, a lot of other people were on there. Um, uh, Winnipeg kind of history of Winnipeg band. So please check that out. Uh, we also air on UMFM on uh, Sunday nights at midnight, which is the absolute prime listening time for anyone who wants to turn on college <laughs> radio. And those are old episodes from a few months back, so it kind of gives people a second second chance to hear an episode that maybe they missed the first time around. Yeah, nice. They're always on there in perpetuity for free download and streaming, but if you forgot about one or you didn't hear it when it came out, here it is again airing at midnight on, <laughs> on yeah. Sunday on UMFM. <laughs> and uh, just to plug some more stuff, um, by the time you hear this, we will have just done our... Um, live streamed uh, improvised show so that'll be over hopefully you saw that but we're doing a show at the park theater on january 29th which is called uh, the all-star big mix-up show and the premise of the big mix-up is we have about 15 local artists uh, all different instruments all different genres of music and we throw their names into a hat form a band out of those names and they are thrown on stage at the park theater forced to perform whatever the audience yells at them 
So the audience knows about a genre of music and a theme word. So uh, one of the better ones was disco and banana. And so they have about a three minute, or not even, huddle to, I guess, figure out what key they're playing in. And then they have to <laughs> perform a song about disco bananas. And yeah, it's just fun. <laughs> so this is a, a, an, a, a, an event that features people from all of the past three shows we've done. So it's kind of like our hand-picked super band of all the previous bands we've had. So it's pretty cool. We've had, oh, like, nice. you know, probably about 45 to 50 different musicians over the course of the three shows. So we just kind of grab people from here and there. And again, it's a big mashup of genres and things like that. So that's the Park Theatre, January 29th. We really encourage people to check it out. And uh, because I'm plugging things, I'm going to plug one more thing. <laughs> um, we have been doing this show since 2012. Uh, as you know, you were on the show in 2013 a couple times. And the show has a budget of zero dollars. Uh, we use crappy <laughs> little portable recorders. And we would like to improve both the audio quality of the show and the <laughs> website and everything else. I mean, uh, this podcast got picked uh, by the Readers of the Uniter as the favorite local podcast or radio show in 2016. So we would like to kind of thank the people who are who voted for us and who actually listen to the show by making it better because, you know, people are obviously checking it out, which is great. So we started this um, Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash witchpolice. And we're encouraging people to check it out. And you can become a patron of the show for as little as a dollar a month. And if you pledge on there a dollar a month, we get that money. And it's got a list of goals we're trying to do to improve the audio quality, to improve the website, uh, maybe make merch at some point, all these things that will kind of propel it to the future. So obviously the show is free, always will be free for anyone who wants to listen to it. It's not like it's becoming paid now. But we have a few people who have decided to uh, uh, become patrons, which is fantastic, including some people I've never met, which is even cooler. So if you want to support the show and you like what you're hearing, like, you know, throw us some change in the hat. Yeah. You can cancel it anytime. It's not like we're expecting you to pay, like, a bunch of money, like, give us a buck a month or something. And <laughs> hopefully we'll get enough bucks a month to be able to, like, afford a better recorder or maybe some mics or yeah. <laughs> things like that. So, yeah, we, we, got, we got that going on. So that's a lot of plugs. But uh, do you have anything coming up that you want to... Uh, no. Nothing. 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 Absolutely nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. Where can people find your stuff on the internet? I mean... Uh, I guess crookedbrothers.com. Okay. All the albums are available. They're all... Yeah, you can stream all of them, I think, okay. on there. And you can buy them in various formats on record, tape, CD. Yeah. And locally in some stores. I mean, I'm sure they're still yeah. available at some of the music creator type. Yeah, for there. sure. Cool. And the Crooked Brothers will be back uh, at some point. At some point. In the future, probably 2018. <laughs> cool. All right, well, thanks for it. Good, good to see you. Thanks for yeah, thanks, coming Andy. on the show. No, no.
Who is faking? 